You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family loved and served by God, compelled to love and serve each other and Austin with God. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you today. Oh, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Jake Box and lead pastor here at Midtown Church and so glad uh, that you're joining us, uh, especially today, because uh, this is a great day to uh, be gathering together for tomorrow. We're kicking off our 21 days of prayer and fasting, and I really want to invite all of y'all to uh, join us in that. You see, during these 21 days, we're, we're going to uh, pray uh, towards our year-long focus as a church family, which is that we would each experience God's love and extend His love. In fact, um, the first week of the fast, which, as I said, begins tomorrow, we're going to be focusing in this whole week about uh, on experiencing God's love personally. And then week two, we'll focus on extending God's love to each other. And week three, we'll focus on extending God's love to our city. And the sermons each week over the next three weeks are going to really follow along with the themes of that week to help set you up to be able to follow along in our uh, 21-day devotional that 21 different people in our church helped write. And so I'm really, really looking forward to this season as a church, and I really hope uh, that you will engage with us in this. In fact, uh, full disclosure here, <laughs> my, uh, my aim this morning is to encourage you to do just that, right? It's, it's really to encourage you to choose to draw near to God uh, this week so that you can experience his love. And so to that end, we're going to be in Matthew 11, 28 through 30 this morning. For in this famous passage, Jesus reveals something amazing about his own heart, like about who, who he is, like what makes him tick. And friends, what he reveals here really makes me, and I think, or at least I, I hope it will make you uh, want to spend more time with him, like to lean in and draw near to him, to get to know him better. Uh, you know, like, um, you know how sometimes you'll uh, get a picture into someone's heart, you got a glimpse into who they are, and it, it just, like, gets attracted to you, like it causes you to want to lean in, like what you see in them draws you to them. Like, I remember this happening uh, kind of early on when Krista and I uh, started dating. We, uh, we hadn't been dated for real long. I knew I really liked her already, but she invited me to a dance that uh, her brother's uh, special needs uh, group home was hosting. And so at, at this dance, there were uh, you know, guys, many guys who had uh, Down syndrome or uh, severe autism, um, many other disabilities, and uh, they lacked any inhibition to ask the pretty girl to dance with them. Like they were not like some kind of seventh grade shy person that was afraid to ask the pretty girl to dance. Like though they were like lined up to ask Krista to dance with her and you know, rightfully so. And so I, uh, I, I, I tried my best not to be jealous and you know, go dance. And she was happy to go do it. She, she danced with all of those guys. And I remember just watching her do that and just being so drawn to her. Like just what it revealed in her in her heart, like how she treated these guys with such dignity and respect, and like her confidence and just her demeanor. I mean, just 
Like it, it caused me to want to lean in all the more. Like what I saw in her made me want to pursue her to a greater degree. My friends, as I said, in, in Matthew 11, 28 through 30, we are given insight into the heart of Jesus. And what we see here is beautiful. And like, I'm really praying that it's going to cause you to want to draw near to him and spend more time with him throughout the season of fasting and prayer so that you can more fully experience his love for you. Okay, so like, let's look into this. Here's what he says. Come to me. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay, this is so good. I mean, the first thing I really want to point out to you from this is, is what this tells us about who Jesus is, like what Jesus is like. Uh, you see, Jesus says something here about his own heart that is super significant. And the, one of the reasons why it's so significant is because this is kind of a wild bit of trivia for you. Dom, you might want to use this at some point in our early morning trivia time. This is actually the very, this is the only time in all four gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's the only time where Jesus tells us what his heart is like. And the reason why that's a big deal, friends, is because the Bible speaks about the heart. When the Bible speaks about the heart, it's not just like a shorthand way of referring to the seat of someone's emotions. It actually means a whole lot more than that. See, in, in biblical terms, the heart isn't just a part of who we are. It actually informs all we are and all we do. See, our heart is what drives and directs us according to the way the Bible speaks of it. Like it serves, as one commentator said, as the central animating center of all we do. So like think about it like this. Your heart is what gets you out of bed in the morning. It's what makes you tick. It's what drives you. It's what directs you. This is why Proverbs 4.23 tells us, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Now, with that in mind, think about this. In, in the one place in the Bible, where God the Son pulls back the veil and lets us look into the core of who he is, what animates him most deeply, what is most true of him, he says this, I am gentle and humble in heart. Now, I don't know about you, but those are not the two words that I would have expected him to use to describe his heart. You know, like I would have thought he would say something like, I am holy and gracious in heart, or I am just and loving in heart, or even like I am dignified and exalted in heart, but gentle and humble in heart? Like who would have ever thought that those would be the two words that would be used to describe Jesus' heart? So I don't think anyone would expect that. This is actually really interesting that many biblical scholars view this statement as just one of the many proofs that God's word is trustworthy and true, that it's reliable. 
For if anyone was making this up, they would not pick these two words to describe the heart of Jesus. Now, the reason, friends, why these are the two words that are used to describe his heart is because these are the two words that Jesus used to describe his heart. Gentle and humble. And man, that really makes me want to lean in and draw near to him. Let me explain why, because I doubt that it makes you feel that way right off the bat. Because you have to understand what he means when he says these two words. See, when Jesus says his heart is gentle, he's actually using a Greek word that's only used three times in the entire New Testament. And each time it's used uh, to describe meekness or like gentleness of spirit. For example, Jesus uses this word in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 5, when he says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. The, the meek, that's the word that he uses here to say gentle. Now, okay, so if someone calls me gentle or meek, like I'm not sure I'm going to take that as a compliment. Like I'm gonna have to listen to the context and their tone of voice, right? <laughs> because in our, our day and age, we often associate those words with weakness. And like I admit, like on the surface, when Jesus uses this word to describe his heart, like I, I really don't find it very compelling. For it, like it brings for, to me like ideas or a picture of, you know, a, a, an accurate picture, I should say, but of a white, like long-haired, blue-eyed Jesus holding a sheep, you know, like, oh, gentle Jesus. And I, <laughs> that, that just, that picture of Jesus just, I don't know about you, but that doesn't really do much for me. It doesn't draw me towards him. But listen, this word that Jesus uses here, that we translate gentle, uh, praus is the Greek word. It, that word was not described, uh, not used in his day and age to describe weak people, but wild, powerful horses that had been trained. See, where they had, these horses had all their power and passion under control. And Jesus, God the Son, the one who literally uh, created all things, who uh, through whom and for whom all things were created, says, no, no, that, that's, that's what I'm like. That's what my heart is like. I'm power under control. See, what he's getting at here is that he's saying, I, I'm not harsh or easily exasperated. I'm not trigger happy. Instead, I'm understanding and I'm, I'm warm and I'm, I'm kind. My heart is gentle. The, the, the posture most natural to Jesus is not a, a pointed finger or a raised fist, but open arms. He's all powerful. But his power is under control. He's meek. He's kind. He's gentle. And he's humble. Dane uh, Ortland, in his excellent book on the heart of Jesus, entitled Gentle and Lowly, which, friends, let me just do a quick plug for you. I don't like doing this often, but let me just say, like, I highly recommend this book for you. In fact, if you're looking for a book to read during a 21-day fast, I would recommend you pick this book up, Dane Ortland, Gentle and Lowly. So good. I, I've read it uh, this year, and it's really influenced a lot of my understanding of this passage. And so I'm borrowing heavily from, from that book here. It's, so, it's just so good. But in, in it, uh, he points out that this word humble that Jesus uses 
it, it doesn't actually refer to humility as a virtue. That's interesting, right? It's, it's actually the word that's used to speak of humility in a sense of destitution or being thrust downward by life circumstances. For example, it's the word that Mary uses in her song in Luke chapter 1 when she speaks of the way that God exalts those who are of humble estate. It's the word that the Apostle Paul uses in Romans 12 verse 16 when he tells us to not be haughty, but to associate with the lowly. That's the word, referring to the socially unimpressive. See, friends, <laughs> this is a remarkable way for Jesus to describe his own heart. What Jesus is saying here is that he is approachable, that he's accessible. See, like being humble in heart means he doesn't look down on anyone. That the one who is, here this, supremely better than us does not relate to us as if he's better than us. In fact, he actually serves us. How wild is that? Why would he do that? It's because this is what gets him out of bed in the morning. It's true to who he is. He's humble in heart. To quote Dane Ortland from the book, he says it this way. He says, for all of his resplendent glory and dazzling holiness, his supreme uniqueness and otherness, no one in human history has ever been more approachable than Jesus Christ. Like you don't have to measure up to come to him. There are no prerequisites, no hoops to jump through in order to draw near to him. Why? Because he is gentle and humble in heart. Now let me ask y'all, is this how you naturally think about Jesus? Because I'll tell you, it's, it's not the way that I naturally think about him. Like most naturally on my own, I, I view Jesus, I'll be honest, I, I often view Jesus as being uh, cold. Being cold towards me. Arms crossed. Head shaking. See, I, I have a nagging belief that Jesus is disappointed in me. And at best, he simply puts up with me. Can you relate to that? Friends, this is why we need a Bible. This is why we need the Bible. We, we need God to reveal what he's like to us because he is so much better than we would dare hope or dream. Gentle and humble. Like, who could come up with that? But that's who he is. He tells us. Tender and warm and welcoming and accessible and approachable and kind. Like, if, if you were asked to use only two words to describe the heart of Jesus, we would be honoring Jesus' own teaching if our answer was gentle and humble. And friends, what we see him claim with his words in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, we see him prove with his actions again and again in all four gospel accounts. See, for his heart directs and drives what he does. We see it in his interactions with the lepers, with the blind, with the woman caught in adultery, with the paralyzed man dropped from the roof by his friends. We see in Jesus breaking down and crying outside of Lazarus' tomb. 
and the compassion he had on the crowds who were harassed and helpless like sheep without shepherd. Now, yet at the same time, if you're familiar with the gospel accounts, you say, well, yeah, but like Jesus rebuked the Pharisees. And he overturned the tables of the, of the money changers in the temple. Like he, I don't know if I would use the word gentle to describe that. How's, if he's gentle on heart, why would he do that? But remember, for gentle doesn't mean weak. It means power under control. And in those times, he was never out of control. But when he did confront people who were not turned towards him, but were actually heaping on burdens on others, he called them out for it. He called them out for it. But over and over and over again throughout the gospel accounts, what we see is Jesus' most natural tendency to who he really is. What we see is the Holy Son of God moving toward touching, healing, embracing, forgiving those who least deserve it and yet truly desire it. See, that's who he is. And because that's who he is, he invites you to come to him. Come to me, he says. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. Don't miss who he invites. It's not the ones who have it all together. It's not the self-sufficient. No, it's the weary and burdened. And those two words are very interesting. They're insightful because the, the, the word we translate weary here actually refers to those who have been struggling or toiling to achieve something. Whereas the word burden was used to speak of the passive side of weariness, like those who are overloaded or weighed down by sin and or circumstances or grief. Now, I don't know about y'all, friends, but my guess is we can all relate to that. You hear that description and think, okay, yeah, I think I fit in that category. And I'm so weary, so weary from working so hard to measure up, to prove myself, to get noticed, to, 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 to feel like I am somebody. Or I'm so, so weary from just trying to take care of myself or try to take care of others and just tired. When we say, I'm so burdened. I'm burdened by sin. I'm burdened by something that just keeps tripping me up over and over. I can't get past it. It just weighs on me. Or you could say, I'm burdened. I'm burdened by life's circumstances. This pandemic is so, just so hard. It's so stupid. I'm just so tired of it. Or I'm, I'm burdened. I'm burdened by people who've let me down, who pain me, hurt me. I'm burdened by the injustice that I see in the world. There's brokenness I see in the world. I'm burdened. To you, friends, if that's you, to you, Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. Just as you are, come to me. You don't need to clean yourself up. You don't need to try to measure up. You don't have to pretend that you have it all together. You don't have to put on your Sunday best to try to present your best face to, to Jesus. He says, no, no, that's not what I've come for. I've not come for, for, the, for the healthy, but for the sick, he would say. See, I has, I, I'm here to invite the burdened. I'm here to invite the weary to come to me. Come to me as you are. See, that's who he invites to come to him because that's 
who he came for. And that's who he came for because that is in line with who he is. He is humble and gentle in heart. James chapter 4 verse 8 says this. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. And I love that promise. See, that promise flows directly out of Jesus' heart. See, it's because he's gentle and humble, approachable and welcoming that you can draw near to him. And that's why when you draw near to him, he will always draw near to you. See, he is not put out by us coming near to him. He is not burdened by us, the burden, coming to him. And he's like, oh, just just stay away. Give me a break. It's not his posture at all because he's gentle and humble at heart. No, no. It's his joy. It's his joy when the burdened and the weary come to him. Which is hard for me, again, to, to imagine that's true. But, man. Think about a story that really captures this for me. Uh, when Krista and I adopted Enoch uh, from Uganda, he was about two and a half. And that was one of the greatest highlights of our entire life. However, the truth is, is that when we, be, we became Enoch's parents legally, uh, well before he began relating to us as his parents relationally. And for, for example, um, like months after his adoption, uh, Krista took him uh, and Camp, our other son, uh, to a local park. And he was about three years old at this time. And while he was playing, he fell and he uh, skinned his knee. But instead of calling out uh, to Krista, his mom, to, for her to come and comfort him, or instead of just getting up and running to uh, her, he just turned and ran to the closest woman in the park. And being uh, growing up in an orphanage, she was kind of used to just any old woman uh, there would, would come in and take care of him. And so he just ran to the closest woman and uh, lifted up his arms. And this lady, she, she didn't know what, what to do. <laughs> and uh, Krista saw this whole thing happen. So she runs over to this lady. This lady had picked up Enoch. And Krista kind of awkwardly explains to, to her, like, that's, he's my son. And, let me, and so she hands him over. To, to Krista, and she takes care of him, helps him. When they got back home, uh, uh, Krista uh, goes into her room, and she just cried, cried and cried and cried. And she cried not because being Enoch's mom uh, was hard, uh, but because she so wanted Enoch to run to her. See, it would be her joy for Enoch to come to her when he was hurting. It would be her joy to comfort him. Now, fast forward nine years. Uh, Enoch just turned 12 this past week. And we had a little birthday party, dinner for him, family dinner with him. Afterwards, Chris is uh, cleaning up after the dinner, and Enoch comes over to, to her and uh, thanks her and, and leans in to hug her. And uh, Krista just drops whatever she had in her hands and, return, and turns around, returns that hug. See, it's her joy. 
And when he comes near to her, she will always come near to him. Friends, Jesus' Jesus's joy increases to the degree that you, with all your weariness and burdens, come to him for help. That Christ's heart is not drained by our coming to him. His heart is filled up all the more by our coming to him. To put it another way, when we hold back, when we don't draw near, we miss out not only on our increased comfort, but also Christ's increased joy. That he lives for this. This is what he loves to do. See, it's the whole reason that he came. It's what gets him out of bed in the morning. To quote Dan Ortland again, he says it this way. Jesus does not get flustered and frustrated when we come to him for fresh forgiveness or for renewed pardon with, dis- with distress and need and emptiness. That's the whole point. It's what he came to heal. He went down into the horror of death and he plunged out through the other side in order to provide a limitless supply of mercy and grace to his people. He wants us to draw on his grace and mercy because it is who he is. He drew near to us in the incarnation so that his joy and ours could rise and fall together. His in giving mercy, ours in receiving. See, friends, because this is who Jesus is, that he's gentle and humble in heart. He invites you to come to him as you are. And when you do, it gives him joy and he gives you rest. Look at this again with me. Come to me, he says, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. See, his his promise is that when you come to him, he will give you rest. But like, what does that mean, okay? Because we know that it doesn't mean that all of a sudden uh, life will become easy and comfortable. And certainly, <laughs> that would be nice, wouldn't it? But Jesus isn't speaking of a rest from hardships. He's speaking of a rest for your soul that can be true even in the midst of hardships. See, when Jesus says his yoke is easy, he uses the same word that's translated as kind in, the New, in other New Testament passages. The easy and kind, it's the same word. It's just... Translated here as easy, oftentimes as kind. In other passages, for example, Ephesians 4, uh, verse 32, we're told, be kind to one another. It's the same word that's used there. And so you think, okay, well, what is an easy yoke or what is a, a kind yoke? Because for the, those who've grown up in Texas, you, you should know this, right? A, a yoke is this like a heavy crossbar that was laid on oxen to, to force, uh, force them to drag farming equipment throughout the field, like a yoke by definition is not kind or easy. It is by definition a burden. But when Jesus says, uh, my yoke is easy or kind, my burden is light, like what he's doing here is he's being oxymoronic. He's playing with words. He's having some fun here. See, he's saying my yoke is actually a non-yoke, that my burden is actually a non-burden. As one commentary put it, 
what can be lighter than a burden that unburdens and a yoke that bears its bearer? I think that's so good. See, when Jesus offers us his yoke, he's offering us himself. And when you come to him, we find rest for our souls because through Jesus, we no longer have to strive and toil to measure up and prove ourselves in order to be accepted by God, the one whose judgment matters most. For through faith in his life and death on your behalf, you eternally measure up in Jesus, which can end your toiling and striving and bring you rest. And in addition, when we come to Jesus, we also find a rest that comes when you realize that you do not have to wade through the hardships and pain of this world alone and without hope. For Jesus meets us in our place of need with his arms wide open, willing and able to kindly carry our burdens as he assures us of his love. As Hebrews 4 tells us, he is able to empathize with us. He cares deeply for you. And he wants you to turn to him, to rest in him. For it's his joy we do. That's who he is. Friends, are you weary? Are you burdened? Come to him. Come to him. He is gentle and humble in heart. Draw near to him, and he will joyfully draw near to you, and you will find in him rest for your souls. This is one of the big things I am praying for you, praying that you will experience during this first week of fast. And I really, really want to encourage you that if you have not decided that you're going to participate or you haven't yet decided how you're going to engage with it, please take time this afternoon and decide because it starts tomorrow. And Jesus says, come, he invites you, come, come to me. As we take him up on his invitation, he's gentle and humble in heart. And in him, you will find rest for your souls. Let me pray. Father God, We help us believe Jesus' words here. We have such messed up pictures of your character. So easy to project on you our own thoughts and experiences. People that are so much greater than others in the world's eyes are the ones who often hold others down in order to hang on to their greatness. God, thank you that that's not what you're like. And Jesus, so you are supremely better than us. You're lowly in heart. You don't look down on us. You actually came to serve us. You want us to come to you. You invite us with our burdens and in our weariness to draw near. It's your joy when we do. It's amazing. When we do, we find rest for our souls. God, I pray that our church family, each person here, would choose to lean in, to come near to you this week. 
that we would see in you something that causes us to want to be with you more, that we would experience your love to greater degrees as we fast and as we pray this week. May this bring you joy. May it bring us rest. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this ministry has blessed you. If you would like to support this ministry, you can donate at midtownaustin.org.